Hey there guys, it's LaserJ, and uh, before we start the episode, just wanted to give you a heads up. As you know, me and Kai don't live in the same state, much less the same city, uh, so we record over Discord. And I was having some connectivity issues today, or when we recorded, I should say, because it was yesterday, uh, as of the editing of this, uh, two days ago, as of posting. So, there's bits where the audio is just real choppy, and I've tried to rec- like fix parts of it, and there, there are times where I was able to catch it uh, in the middle of recording, and had him had us stop talking, and he caught me a couple times when it happened, and we'd stop talking, and we'd wait a second, and we'd start up again, and I'd cut it down to those, but I might, I might have missed a couple spots where we did that, so this is a bit of a rough episode, uh, also, I just wasn't on my A-game today, uh, not today, well, you know, still today, but when we recorded, I just wasn't on my A-game, uh, distracted, just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it, it, it's not an excuse, but it's an explanation, so yeah, Try to enjoy. There's no preview in this episode, because I don't think there's any... I I couldn't come up with a joke, and I didn't even really feel like it, so I just cut to a point where Kai said what we watched. Yeah, alright, have a good one. Alvin, you've disgraced me for the last time. (laughs) It's just like Gary Cooper, huh? I think the cartoon just started. Hey everybody, welcome to Acme Podcasts Incorporated. I'm your host, Laser J, and with me as always is my co-host. Hey, it's Kai. What's up, everybody? That's right. That's right. The Swan Princess and the Rescuers. Yeah, uh, and there's really no... Con- I mean, Richard Rich did work on both. Uh, he, he directed Swan Princess and he was an assistant. He was an AD on the rescuers, but that that's that's it's not really a strong connection there. It's just they're both movies that each of a well, each one is a movie the other has a soft spot for. Mm-hmm. I some 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 sort of nostalgia. Yeah, I loved the rescuers when I was a kid, uh, and I've never seen the Swan Princess, so that means Kai has a soft spot for it. Yeah. But before we get to all that, uh, we've we are all caught up on Ducktales. There's been three episodes since the last time we recorded. Yes, I still have not caught up on Izokin then, though. Uh, I was going to, but you know, I did watch some other stuff though. So yeah, uh, our weeks. Uh, I got nothing to talk about, and uh. What do you got? Well, um, a friend of our, a friend, mutual friend of the show, KP, who was on the um, Carmen Sandiego and Kim Possible episode, uh, he and a friend of mine, uh, Blake, who's the DM for one of my Dungeons Dragons games, we hang out quite a bit. 
I mentioned, I think, last time that we were watching um, Lupin Third. Yeah. Um, relevant. we, yeah, re- relevant. <laughs> uh, but we were uh, we were watching watching Lupin, and then we we're like, and we all we were also watching Fate because KP hadn't seen Fate, so we just kind of been going through stuff. Yeah. And then we got into a conversation about Ruby. I think it was. I don't know what we were doing. I think. Oh, Blake was streaming near Automata. I think, and I don't know how the conversation started actually. Hmm. Like how we even got to start talking about Ruby. But but, uh, but but we did, and then I had I mentioned I hadn't seen Ruby since the end of season three, which was like fucking a long time ago. Because season yes. seven. Yeah, it's been probably years. Yeah, it's been years because season seven came out pretty recently. Yeah. Finished, so it's it's been a while. I've missed a lot of stuff. I've missed like the big animation updates and the show just looking a lot better. And just a lot of apparently really fucking wild shit has been happening. Hmm. Uh, but we started from the beginning, season one, and went through season two and three. And we finished season three not long ago, so now it's all new territory for me at this point and i think they're looking forward to watching me uh despair because mm. of all the, the shit that's going to happen later oh boy uh but someone dies right buddy oh buddy <sighs> a lot of a lot of horrible things happen in ruby season three and apparently some other bad stuff that happens in later seasons there's betrayals and angst and death and just there's a lot of heartbreak in general really mm. R- ruby ruby goes really hard in season 3 and then it just kind of doesn't stop apparently fantastic it's really good though but the, though that being said, Ruby is really good. Um, it was interesting watching season three and knowing that this was because during the middle of production of season three, the creator Monty Um, died. Uh, yeah, he passed. So it was really interesting because it was like, huh, you could start to tell when that happened in some ways. Yeah, because the fight choreography in some fights wasn't as strong as earlier seasons. I'd heard, yeah, I remember hearing that. Yeah, apparently from what I've been told, the fight choreography does improve, and it, but it doesn't reach the same levels from season one and two until like late season four, maybe early mm. season five. But, there, there was some scandal with Ruby where they like ripped off animation or something like that, or they ripped uh, off models. Well, what it was is what people were like, oh, they have, these are just old, the original models they took from them were MMD models or some shit. Mm-hmm. But the it was kind of a falsehood because the MMD models were like that you could buy them and they were licensed and the people who on the team actually bought the rights to them. So oh, it was okay. complete it was completely legit for them to use them. Got it. But okay. uh, yeah, but the writing quality gets a lot better after a certain point. So it's sort of like a it takes a while for the fight choreography to get on the same level as the writing quality. Again. That seems to be uh, a trend with Rooster Teeth productions. Mm-hmm. 
I haven't watched any of their other stuff, honestly. They're, they're making a lot of animation projects nowadays. Yeah, uh, I can't comment on Camp Camp or uh, that, what is it, like Vagabond or whatever? The Wanderer or whatever. The Wanderer, called. yeah. I can't okay. comment on those, but the writing on Red versus Blue got way better over time, in my opinion. Yeah. They do Until make... it got kind of mm-hmm. tired. It, it, it did get tired at a point. Yeah. There was, I remember watching, I think it was back in season two when they made a straight up make a red versus blue reference in Ruby. That's unsurprising. It really is unsurprising. Also, it's also unfortunate that we have, I have to deal with a couple of seasons of fucking Vic McNugget. Oh, yeah, that sucks. It, it, it he doesn't get replaced until season five, unfortunately. Oh, buddy. It's not too bad. I can mostly ignore it. Sure, you can. Yuri Lowenthal's in that show too, which is I forgot. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, it's it's easy to forget. Can you repeat that part? I just want to make sure you didn't. Nothing got cut out. No, I just said Yuri Lowenthal was in it. Oh, I didn't. I didn't hear that at all. Oh yeah, Yuri Lowenthal is in that show. Yeah, I remember. I remember them talking about that on when I used to watch. Um, off topic. Ah. Um, Remember them talking about that. He plays one of the 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 side villains, uh, Mercury. Mm-hmm. And um, also really watching interesting watching the show's evolution. At a like when you're watching it back to back, you can really see the improvements the mm-hmm. show made as the series went on. Like, especially in terms of, like, oh my god, the background characters aren't just silhouettes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the only other thing that I watched that and is something cool of note is, um, for those who don't know, Shout Factory, the, uh, the licensor and DVD maker... I know where has, this is going. ...has recently... Finally, much to my and many of my friends' great joy, has released an official sub-translation of the original Common Rider. Yep. Which you can watch right now for free on their website. Yep. Not only did they release an f- official translation for um, Common Rider Ichigo, but recently... They also released a full English translation of the first Heisei series, Commodore Takuga. Goddamn. It's, it's, and it's an HD and everything. Because they got the Blu-ray rips and they have crisp new subs. That's beautiful. It's, and you can watch it right now. You can go to the website and watch it. Please support the official release because finally we have an official release. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> a good day yeah it's a good day i'm whenever sentai and stuff was getting sub was like please sub commenter please sub commenter please sub commenter because we've been asking for official english release for years yeah it's like we would support True. the official we would support the official release if it existed <laughs> insert timmy's dad meme here i yeah. guess and this is where i put my official english release of commenter if i had one you know, it's actually, it's, I was at, um, I went to Walmart a couple of days ago. I had to pick something up and I just 
out of habit, I went to look at the DVDs, and there was the Ultraman Taiga movie Blu-ray just on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that that caught me by surprise. Yeah, it's becoming more and more common, especially yeah. since. Since Shot Factory, they did re- they released the Power Rangers things, and then they started doing Sentai. That's true. Yep. And then eventually they started doing Ultraman, and also Ultraman has been way more accessible recently too, because for a while Crunchyroll actually had official subs on there. That's true. There's also there's a historical background for Ultraman in the U.S. actually, because I remember seeing it, it was brought over. Like in the very early days, yeah, and localized. Because I remember, I had in middle school the uh, like computer lab teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was super into Ultraman. He 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 got me turned on to Ultraman when I was like eleven, and I was just like, "Oh, this is cool as shit." Yeah, Ultraman is also really big in Latin America. Didn't know that. Yeah, Ultraman, a lot of that tokusatsu was brought over to parts of Latin America. Hmm. And it's it's pretty... It, I mean, it depends on what... I mean, it's not all of them, but there's a lot of, like, toku over there that especially it, that came out in the, like, 70s and the 80s that, like, went to Latin America and became really big. Uh, a lot of people oh, have... Yeah. They have, like, nostalgia for it, apparently, in parts of Latin America. Hell yeah. Uh but so uh we, we since Kuka came out <clears throat> excuse me. Since Kuka came out, a friend a mutual friend of the show, uh he did a stream where we watched we all got together and watched like the first five episodes of Kuga. Nice. Some people hadn't seen it. I had seen it, but I hadn't seen it in years. I hadn't seen Kuga in forever, so it was really Wild seeing it in crisp Blu-ray <laughs> quality with with and not fucking. It was like we we're seeing it with crisp sub crisp white subtitles that weren't fucking like because in the official fan subs of the TV Nihons and the fan subs the TV Nihon subs they were like kind of weird looking and piss yellow. Oh yeah, and it was really weird. There's a there's been some discourse over the the Kuga release though. However, oh. Uh, the main discourse is that um, they're, the monsters in that show, the Goronki, mm-hmm. have their own language. Oh. And in the original TV Nihon subs, that language wasn't translated. So there were a lot of scenes of the Goronki just talking to each other, and you did know what they were saying. Interesting. Which Which people, some people think it adds a layer of interesting mystery. Yeah, them. but at the same time, that could be a real big barrier for newcomers to have long stretches of scenes where characters are talking and you don't know what they're saying. I could see that. Yeah, uh, I personally find it frustrating when stuff in another language isn't like subtitled. Like even if it's supposed to be like a perspective shot where your your perspective is supposed to be like a certain characters and they don't understand what's being said. So the viewer can't understand. It still bothers me when like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. So the discourse is that the, in the new subs, the Gorongi language is translated. 
I think that's smart, honestly. Yeah, no, it is. It's much. It's. I I I I I can see where they're coming. Some people are coming from with the whole ads and air mystery to the Gorongi, but at the same time, if you want new people to watch Common Rider, that could be a real big barrier to them. Yeah. If you want new fans. The way the way I look at like I can understand like artistically like the, the artistic side of it like it absolutely does add an air of mystery and it it it's interesting. I just mm-hmm. I'm split because there's part of me that's like hell yeah that's like artistic and shit and then the other part is like yeah but I want to know. I got to yeah. know. I'm I'm going to be angry if I don't know. I think that thing it can be done. I'm not it it's just it has to be done in the right way. Oh yeah. Cuz it, it can be done better in something like um a novel probably. Yeah. Cuz you can just better describe the actions of the um people you the 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 first the point of view character doesn't understand and probably yeah. infer more of the meaning that way. Yeah. It's also sometimes easier to pick out um like in books, in, in writing, it's easier to pick out the words that aren't trans like if the antagonist is speaking another language and then suddenly they say the hero's name, you know, oh they just said the hero's name. But yeah. with when you're hearing it, and usually they denote it by the the other language being in italics, and then it goes to non-italics for the word that we recognize, and then back to italics. But yeah. it's harder to do that in audio. Yeah, totally. But that that was sort of the main discourse of people, and it's like I get it, but you know, yeah, uh, it, it was really fun watching it with um a couple of people who had not only hadn't seen Kuga. But had never watched a common writer in their life, or 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 barely who had who had only had like like sort of like the exposure to it to osmosis by being friends with us. Yeah. Okay. I, I have another question. Mm-hmm. What's the gimmick in common in Kuga? The gimmick. Like every, like Forze has like the different add-on parts and oh, the, the space theme and. Yeah, and uh, Wizard has the different uh, colored rings and uh, the uh, well, this... X8 has the different video game cartridge yeah. things. Well, this was uh, yeah. is Kuga and and the I'm sorry, I just let me no go ahead. Sorry. I'll, I'll give you a sec. Just give me a second. And like I like Common Writer, but I almost never finish a series. I never make it all the way through a series of Common Writer, with Forze being the exception. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I get tired of like the gimmicks. I just want Karate Bugman. Is well, Kuga just a Karate Bugman? He has other forms, but he's mo- he's yeah, he's just a Karate Bugman. Okay, see, I I don't mind like different forms because like that that's. Toys. You got to sell toys somehow. Yeah. And also, like, at an even simpler level, it's like being angry at the existence of Super Saiyan. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't change. Like, Super Saiyan does. It, it's not. Super Saiyan eventually became a gimmick, but at yeah. first, it, it, it. Like, through the Cell Saga, it wasn't a gimmick. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm it's, articulating my issue here is hard. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I just want Karate Bug Man. I don't care if he has like other forms. I just, I don't know. The gimmick is to sell toys. I, I get that, but yeah, the the more the longer Kamonator went on, the more gimmicky it became in terms of it's what it was trying to sell the toys but at the same time that's that has that is a completely different appeal yeah there there are some people who actually who absolutely fucking hate the show but love the toys oh interesting like like i like there are people who like god i hate guy and guy suck but the toys were cool though you know etc like there are people Mm. who because of how advanced some of the toys are in their gimmicks and like some of the cool things they do. It's like, oh, the toys are really cool. The show was eh, but the toys are neat. You know. I I completely get that. Uh as a toy collector myself, I completely understand that. Mm-hmm. Um I've well, I don't need a I don't need a personal anecdote for that. I just yeah, no, I get that. But generally if I don't like a thing, I don't buy the toys. Even no, that's not true. I haven't played a minute of Fortnite, and I buy those action figures like you wouldn't believe. Ugh. <laughs> Listen, the Fortnite action figures are good. They they fit in well with other lines, and they're good like background. It, it, yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, uh, I'll send you pictures. I've I've done some customization on them. I'll send you pics later. Neat. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So yeah, Kuga. Yeah, Kuga, Kuga, Kuga. Good. Um, I think going back to the thing about someone who had never seen, who had barely been exposed to Kamenator, a friend of mine, she uh, she don't her only exposure to Kamenator was mostly through osmosis and watching like five minutes of another Kamenator show, mm-hmm. and then hearing her say two things just made me go, all right, cool, cool, cool. Was one she said, "God, this fucking opening slaps," <laughs> and the other one was, "Okay, I get the appeal now. I see why people like Common Rider." I'm like, "Okay, cool. That's all we needed. You don't, don't need to watch anymore. Just understand why we like it." Yeah, you've I, never watched any more of it. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I get that sentiment. Yeah, um, and that's that's pretty much. I don't have too many th- other interesting things to talk about. Okay. I don't. Um, I, I mean, I've been playing a lot of FGO, but that's not something that is it really. That's for your other podcast. Yeah, we, we really eh, we decided not to do the podcast anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we all we're all like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it, none of us were sad about it. Honestly, okay. we just kind of like we had stopped for a while, and we're like, you know, this was fun, but. I'm just kind of cool keeping the server here and just, you know, yeah, having it to talk about fate, you know. But I feel you, yeah. It's you know whatever. It was mostly just for fun anyway, so I didn't really, you know. But okay. oh well, none of us are really bummed about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I said, I got nothing to talk about for my week. Okay. Uh. Trying to think so anything, but 
Yeah, nothing worth nothing worth mentioning. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll take. We'll, I forget. We're not going to take a break. We'll just get into Ducktales now. Yeah. Um. God. That last episode, though. Yeah. Well, well hold on. Before yeah, yeah, we, we do that. Go in order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we watched The Lost Harp of Mervana, Louis Eleven, and Astro Boyd. Oh, so boy. Lost Harp of Mervana. You talked a lot about this one on the last episode. Uh yeah, because like, I, I were excited I remember, for it. Yeah. yeah, I was, and I remember because I it I I was excited for it, but that's only because I remembered the original episode. Got it. And it wasn't a bad episode. Yeah. It was just like, you know, uh, I remembered it being, I remember some of the things from it, although I do remember that exact tone of saying that the harp did, she's fibbing, fibbing, fibbing. I remember <laughs> that distinctly from the original. Nice. And the harp was also like, uh, more statue-like as opposed to like just being a person uh... on, a, on a harp. She was more like made of gold, I think, or whatever. Okay. Um, and that's mostly, I remember, I remember, I remember some things from it. That's a reason I was excited for it, but it was a fun episode. Yeah. Uh, I did, I did like, yeah, I, I did like Della's whole fish bias. Yeah. I really related with that. <laughs> I, I hate fish. I, I really hate fish. Uh, that's funny. Like not to hurt. Like I, I like them as animals. I just, I hate the smell of fish. I hate mm-hmm. the taste of fish. I just don't like fish. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Fair enough. Yeah. But- uh, oh, uh, I forgot their names, but the voice of uh, Beast Boy and uh, Starfire. Yeah, the they're two the hippies the two, they talk to. The two Marvanans, yeah. yeah. That was really great. I like the. Yeah. It was, um, I, it was nice having a webby episode because we hadn't had one in a while, actually. Yeah, it it had been quite a while since a webby episode. The last webby episode we had was um the nightmare episode with Lena, and that was more about Lena than it was about webby. Yeah, it really yeah, it it was it did develop webby some, but that was really more Lena. Yeah, for sure. It was it was more Lena's episode, although something I didn't really catch. In to go back to the beginning of the season with the um, woodchuck episode, mm-hmm. something I didn't really catch was a is a is there's a theory going around that Lena is living with um uh freaking uh, what's her name? Yeah, I, I came to that conclusion after watching that too. I didn't know other people were talking about that though. Yeah, people are talking about that. So that's that also is the Violet. Yeah, I remember her name for once. Yeah, Violet. <laughs> that's the other reason that she was so gung ho about making Violet be all like, yeah, go, sis. Because yeah. he considers her family now. And I'm like, that's really cute. And it's good yeah. development for Lena. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, Mervana. It was funny. <laughs> I think the one joke I remember distinctly was how Donald had found inner peace. And then yeah. he was like, you know that famous chili that we always say we love that you make? <laughs> it's just... Okay. <laughs> that that was a good joke. That yeah. Yeah. That good. 
Louis eleven. Yeah, Louis. Daisy. Daisy is here, and also fucking uh, Juan and Panchito. They're back. Yeah, yeah, they're back. Jose, Jose and Panchito, rather. Jose and Panchito. Yeah. I didn't expect to see them again, and I'm happy they're here. Yes. Well, yeah. that uh, the three amigos, not three amigos, three caballeros, uh, three caballeros show failed, but they had two voice actors on lock, so. Yeah, might as well keep them around for occasional appearances. Yeah. Didn't expect. Uh, to, didn't expect to see Graves. Yeah, I didn't either. It, that was a pleasant surprise. Or the those uh, mercenaries from the first two parter. Either. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of fun. Yeah, for sure. It was also. I think this is the first episode we've ever had a, about Dewey and Louie's relationship. Yeah, specific, they specifically. They don't interact a lot. Or, yeah, I mean, they do, but it's never the focus. I I would very much like more of the indiv- the focusing on the individual dynamics between each of the siblings. Yeah, I feel like we've had a a Dewey, not a Dewey, a, a Louie and Huey. I feel like we have, right? I think we might have, but I don't remember. Yeah, but this is definitely the. The the two cores of the episode are obviously Daisy and that whole dynamic and exploring yeah. the dynamic between Dewey and Louie. Yeah. Tess McNeil knocked it out of the park. Of course she did. Yeah, she's a fucking legend. Finding out Mark Beeks was that lady's son that, was a lot. It does. Their designs are so similar. Yeah, but I mean, like, I was like, oh, that, that lady looks like a lot of my Mark Beeks, and I didn't think anything of it. And then he showed up at Dan, and I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah, okay. Got it. That tracks. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't really... I didn't factor in... I didn't expect Mark Beeks to be in the episode. Yeah, uh, not claiming to have been like the second I saw her called that's his mom. I just once mm. they revealed, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I I I thought it might have been his sister, not his mom, or something. Yeah, no, it, it the idea of Mark Beek showing up didn't even enter into my head. I just thought, eh, maybe they just like drawing that type of bird. Yeah. Also, you know. I think they like making fun of Mark Beeks because, you know. Originally, he was going to be Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Hmm. Can't imagine who that's supposed to be making fun of. Yeah. Can't even imagine. Yup. But anyway. There was... I'm thinking about it. There was no foul stuff in any of these episodes. It was just more character-focused as opposed um... to like plot-focused. Plot, plot No foul. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure at the end of Mervana, foul showed up. Like, just one of those little stinger things. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's not a dig on these episodes. It's just like, it's nice that they... It's... The foul isn't going to always be there, and we can yeah. get more, more of these episodes that are more character-driven as opposed to plot-driven. For sure. For sure. Um, I do love that Daisy 
the when they were. Hmm? Sorry, go on. I do love that Daisy, like her. I like that the the Donald and her. It was more. It was a you you. They were setting up the joke that Donald was immediately gonna fall in love with her. He's like, eh, all right, like. <laughs> And it was more Daisy falling in love with him, which yeah. I thought was cute. It wasn't until after the singing, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, but it was... I, I think with Donald, it it was clear that Donald was attracted to her. Yeah. But I think he's been in single dad mode so long that he's just like, dating's just not an option right now. You know there's going to be an episode where they're going to go out on a date and there's going to be shenanigans. Oh, hell yes. Meddling and shenanigans. Yeah. And I eagerly await it. Yeah. And I really hope there's an episode that's just Daisy, Webby, Lena, and, and Violet. And the girl. Yeah, the, the Goyles. The Goyles. 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 The girl gang. I like to call them the girl gang. Girl gang. I hope they'll team up to defeat Magicka. <laughs> yeah. It'd be very good. Yeah. And then next one is Astroboid. Oh. It might, might as well just be called Anime Reference the Episode. Anime Reference the Episode, but also, hey, look at this animation. Look at this animation yeah. budget. Look at it. That, it was beautifully animated. The fight with Boyd and Gizmo Duck was a lot. Yeah. I mean, um, the, the most obvious anime reference is fucking the police officer being Officer Tezuka. Yeah, that. Not... I think the most obvious one was the minute they cut to uh, Tokyo. Uh, mm -hmm. You just see someone dressed as Sailor Moon. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah, in the background. And then, and then Officer T in that background, she's like right in front of the center camera. I mean that's true, but she is a background character. Yeah, she's a background character, but it it's just yeah. visually like they it the camera lingers on it for like half a second mm -hmm. before cutting, and then Tezuka, yeah, and then there's also uh, well first the episode Astro Boyd, Astro Boy, duh, um, yeah, duh, duh. Uh, never thought I'd get to see character development from fucking. Gyro. gyro, yeah, gyro of all people. I'll be real with you, I didn't see it at all, but I'm so glad because this is the point I always believe. But John Jim Rash, Jim Rash is just a fantastic character actor. Yeah, at any time he gets to really just go at it, <clears throat> beautiful. Yeah, um, but it did. It was a really funny seeing Gyro in his younger self. Like, oh, because this is obviously the reference to the Gyro's design from DuckTales. The, ori the original, the original. Yeah. yeah, it was more akin to that, where he had the, even had the little hat and his hair was more like he was in the original series. Which was yeah. a nice callback, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, it's a, the, I like the explanation of like the reason Gyro is like this is because he was originally like the original Gyro, but he became really jaded. Yeah. And grumpy. After, after uh, Tubio? Tubio. Tubio, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but 
I this was a this was a lot and this did a lot for a lot of characters, I feel. It we got to see more Gizmo Duck, which is always nice. We Huey got some actual really good focus and he got to make a new friend, which is cool. Yeah. So do you think mm-hmm. I don't know how to approach this. Hmm. You know how a lot of people compare autistic people to robots sometimes? Mm. Do you, do you think this is like Can I Okay, I'm going to stop you. <laughs> okay. Okay. I thank you. Insert alarm that says warning. Warning. You are about to talk about a subject that you are not prepared to talk about, sir. Yeah, I I am not equipped to handle that. Neither of us are equipped to comment on on any of that. Okay. And and we shouldn't. Yeah, that that's that's a good that that's a good stance to take. Thank you for stopping that's, me. Yeah, no, that's if I if I find myself about to talk about a subject, I'm like mid sentence. I'm like, you know what? It's gonna not. Yeah. I'm just I'm gonna I'm just gonna swerve. And I'm gonna stay in my lane. Yeah. Uh. But anyway. But yeah, Hugh's got a friend that he relates to. On it's, his uh, really enjoying being by the books level. It's nice that he gets to hang out with some. Oh man, can we get Violet and him and 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 him Huey hanging out? Can we get the I three would, of them? I would love that. I would love nothing more. Just being nerds. Yeah, that'd be great. We, we've had a couple Dewey and Webby episodes because mm-hmm. they're just a real good team. Yeah, I'd really like to see the other parallels. I'd really like to see Violet and Huey and Boyd team up. Yeah, and I'd also really like to see a um, a Louie and Lena. I would. I was gonna say Louie and Lena also. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see a Louie and Lena episode yeah. for sure. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot. Especially, especially like I even if even if they were the same episode, where it's like a plot is. The three of them and the B plot is, or vice versa. Yeah, it. I, th- I think you could definitely do it in that way. What I'd like to see is, um, you know how sometimes you have a show where it does two episodes. They're not to be continued episodes, but the next episode is the last episode from a different perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like one episode that's your traditional Dewey and 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 Webby. Uh, team up episode that they kind mm-hmm. of have a a lock on just the dynamic there. Yeah, I'd love to see that. And then the next episode is that a plot b plot you described. Yeah, so what are they, Yeah, what are they? What are they doing while that's going on? Yeah. The thing I'm most looking forward to returning on this season, of course, is always Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested in seeing where that goes. I'm interested in seeing more of the Rescue Rangers. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that uh, factors into something we'll talk about later. Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, what, what, what? Tails, the Tailspin episode. Tailspin is definitely number one for me right now, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's if that's not a Launchpad episode, I'm gonna eat my shoe. It has to be... You know what else it could be? Hmm. It could be a Della episode. 
a Launchpad Della Dewey episode? I I think it could just be Della and the Tailspin. Like they could be, she could have been one of their friends as a kid or something like that. Oh, that'd also be really good. Yeah, I want it to be a Launchpad episode because I love Launchpad, but I think Della needs another episode. Yeah, Della doesn't. You're super right. As much as I would love, we Della Launchpad already got an episode this season. So yeah, so and, a Della episode would be nice. And he's going to get more stuff with Darkwing Duck. So I guess yeah. doing something with Della would be yeah. You're super right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Well, I guess I'm gonna eat my shoe then. How? <laughs> uh. It'll be really fun. To, okay. My dr- I think we might have talked about this in one of the very first episodes, but my dream is that the explanation for how... Because we see older Kit Cloud Kicker and older... um, I forget the Rebecca's daughter's name. I know who you're talking... I don't remember either. It's been far yeah. too long, but yeah. I, I know what Molly, you're talking Molly. 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 Molly, Cun- Molly Cunningham. Yeah. Uh, I want the explanation because Blue went up against Don Carnage in the original show. I want the explanation. Oh yeah. For why Don Carnage is still really young, and I want it to be that Don Carnage is a title. And I can see a, it being a title, yeah. And I want an old grumpy Don Carnage to come back out of retirement, and he's voiced by Jim Cummings. That would be great. Anytime Jim Cummings get to do gets to do something, I love. Um, okay. I can also be see it being you know the Don Carnage we see is Don Carnage Junior. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay, I also have a, a, a another wild plot thread that I want to be followed at some point. Okay. I want there there to be an episode where it's the typical Glom Golden Scrooge teaming up, or the Glom Golden Scrooge going against each other as they do. Mm-hmm. And then they're they're in a business. They're about to go on a business venture. They're trying to compete for a business venture, and then a third party takes that business venture from them. And that party is Shere Khan. Yeah, I would like that. I would love for that to be the thing. Honestly, you really could have easily adapted Shere Khan into like a villain for all of those universes. Oh yeah. He's such a different foil because I can see him being involved with Fowl because he's very calm, oh, yeah. collected. Yeah. If there is ever who voiced him originally? Um, I can like this up. To the internet. If there is ever a villain that could be voiced by Keith David. I think it would be Shere Khan. Oh, I would fucking die. Because it's just his attitude is right there. You know, he's right in that zone of like calm, collected, dignified and threatening. And like a tiger has like that deep roar. Mm -hmm. And, 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 Keith David's voice is just so it, it's like thunder over the water. Uh he was originally voiced by George Sanders in the movie. Uh okay. and then in But in Tailspin, I mean. Tailspin. 
Uh, is Disney appearance to his presence? Oh, I, huh. I just saw did him in the live action film. Anyway, um. Oh yeah. Uh, Tony J was his voice from '90 to 2006. So he was Tony J was his voice in the Intel Spin, which okay. is pro- which is also why he was really great because Tony J rules. Yeah, Tony J is a, another legend. Yeah, he. Yeah, rest his soul. Yeah. Uh, uh, Shere Khan's current voice in animation from 2006 to present is Corey Burton. Okay. But I would also like uh, Keith David. Yeah. Oh, you you know, actually, I do have something to talk about for my week real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I finally watched the last season of Community. Oh. And that's what sort of has me on a Keith David kick. Mm-hmm. Because he's in the last season. I see. Yeah. And he's hilarious. Yeah. I love Keith David. Yeah. Uh, big fave. You should really watch Community just so you could see that last season with him. Mm-hmm. Cause this character is fucking hilarious. Good, good. Uh. Anyway, that that's it for my week. Uh, back back to Astro Boyd. Do you have anything more to say about it? Um. Let's see. I would have liked a character speaking an entire sentence in Japanese, as opposed to like just having. Was someone going nani or just saying one phrase in Japanese? Like I would like if I had some actual Japanese. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. Okay, could could I get a really cute scene of Huey try like when they were, you remember when they were lost? I would love to see where Huey tries like he knows some Japanese and he tries to ask for directions, and then Boyd steps in and speaks perfect Japanese. Yeah, that would have been really cute. Yeah, but I don't know. That's just that's my own. Yeah. You know, self-talking, not like the episode itself. Um, I did the the evil doctor. I did like that he was a Shiba Inu. Yeah, that was that, that was that was fun. Yeah, real quick uh, before we wrap up Ducktales, mm-hmm. let's just try to list off every anime reference we saw in the episode. Uh, well, there, there there was first the Sailor Moon. Oh, well, okay, no, 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 we have to start. Astro Boyd, the name itself. The name itself, Astro Boy, and Boyd is it's straight up just Astro Boy. Yeah. Um, Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. Uh, Office, Officer, Officer Tezuka. Also, she's stylistically designed after uh, Zenigata. Oh, yeah, no, she is very Zenigata-esque. Yeah. Uh, there was Lupin in the background. Yep, Lupin the third. Uh, at one point, we see the yellow car, and there's a Jigen sticking out of the moonroof. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the the evil professor is very um. He's reminiscent of uh fucking what's his name from um. Astro Boy. I never watched Astro Boy. Oh. It, it just never appeared appealed to me. So like oh. I, mm. but I I I know the character you're talking about. I just don't know their name. Doctor Tenma. Tenma, okay. Yeah, the Astro Boy's creator. Yeah. One thing I'm surprised they didn't do, they had a motorcycle scene, but there was no Akira slide. Yeah, I'm (laughs) kind of glad there wasn't because I'm tired of the Akira slide reference. Okay, it's an easy one to make. I I guess, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I think my favorite one, though, was... uh, 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 Gizmo Ducks, uh, to be out! 
Mm-hmm. That's very much like a Canada. I did also appreciate Gizmo Duck's common rider pose. Yeah, the common rider pose is, is good. He just he just straight up did a henchman pose. Yeah, he did. <laughs> very good. Yeah. I will. Oh man. Okay. Can I go back and can I go into a? You know. Okay. Can I create an alternate reality for you? Sure. In this alternate reality. Hold on. Hold on. Transporting myself there. Okay. Are you? Are you? Okay, I'm there. Okay, in this alternate reality. Um, in a the, world. In a world. Um, let's say whoever a TMS or Toei, whoever Japanese Animation Studio, what goes up to Disney and says, "Hey, we want to make a Gizmo Duck anime." Ooh. And they do. And it's just it's Gizmo Duck in Japan being like a like a common rider comedy superhero. Ooh. Yes. Yes. I can dig it. Yeah. Can you dig it? I can dig it. Picking up what I'm put picking up what I'm putting down. I am picking up what you are putting down. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? All right, but no, that, I can smell a little, a little, a little what the rock is cooking. But that—that's the—that's—that's that's the alternate reality I want to live in. Yeah, and then I, and we'd have and we could have a guest appearance by Darkwing Duck or something. Yeah, uh, I think the easier way to do it would just be, or not the easier way. I think the better way to do it would be just Japanese uh, Gizmo Duck rather than. Uh oh I forgot his name. Oh oh yeah, the freaking um intern. Yeah, the in- <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. They didn't say his episode his name at all. No, they didn't. Lin Manuel Miranda, uh mm-hmm. Blathering Blatherskites. Fenton Fenton? Yeah. Fenton. Yeah, rather than Fenton, uh, just Japanese. Oh, what if it was Officer Tezuka? Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Fenton Crack Shell. Fenton Crack Shell. That's it. Yep. What if it was uh, Officer Tezuka in the Gizmo Duck suit? That'd be good. That, that, that's what. Because the minute you said uh, Gizmo Duck in Japan, done by a mm-hmm. Japanese like animation team. Mm-hmm. My head instantly went to the Spawn manga. All right. And that wasn't Al Simmons. That was a Japanese American kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, back to the actual universe. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> back to reality. Oh, it sucks here, actually. Yeah. But anyway, there was, there was no epidemic in that other reality. Pandemic. There's a difference. I thought it was an epidemic. Pandemic? Epidemic? You know what? Semantics. Yeah. Hi, yay, yay. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Let's... So, yeah, that's uh, that DuckTales. We all DuckTailed out. We DuckTailed out. Okay. Uh, then now we're going to take a short break. 
And when we return, you know it's time for another type of waterfowl, Swan Princess. Hong Kong. Back on to our show. Gosh, it's such a hoot to see them quaking. When I'm king, they'll treat me with respect. I can't wait to watch their poor hearts breaking. So much for politically correct. Up till now, I've pulled my punches. I intend to eat their lunches. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. Not for me. And welcome back uh, to the second segment, where we talk about the Swan Princess. Yee. Uh, just to head this off at the start, we're not watching any of the sequels, right? No, no, we're not watching the 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 six sequels. Yeah, fuck that. I had okay. Let's just get into the thick of it. I didn't like this movie. Hmm. Um. I never saw it as a kid, so I have no nostalgia for it. I remember yep. seeing it at the video store. That's like the extent of it. Yeah. Um, just, okay. I didn't think it was a bad movie. I didn't think it was poorly written. I didn't like the animation in places, but it wasn't like bad animation. Hmm. Um, there were just some parts where, like, this was done with cells, right? Most likely. Yeah. There's some parts where the cells that contained characters just didn't look like they fit right on the backgrounds. Yeah. Um, um, in, term, in terms of the, the animation... Let, let me just finish oh, real yeah. quick. Yeah, I'll let you finish. Sorry. It's, like, it's a solid five. You know, it, it's, just, mm-hmm. it's, not, it, it's not great, and it's not bad. It's just, eh. Mm-hmm. I was bored watching it. Genuinely. Okay. okay. Since you since you got your negatives, I'm gonna get my negatives out of the way. Okay. I because I as as much as I have a soft spot to this film, watching it again and really thinking about it and having to having to force myself to think about it critically for this podcast made me realize all the problems I have with it. Okay. The my main problem with this film is Odette herself as a character. Okay. In the opening scene of the, I, by the way, one of my favorite parts of the movie is the opening scene with um, Derek and Odette's childhood and the song um, "This Is Not My Idea." Yeah. We see go through the like that's a that is a perfect example of a song serving a purpose in the film. Like yes. it, it's perfect. It's a really great scene and it's one of the best parts of the film. That's genuinely the only scene I liked and the only song I liked. Yeah. Um, but the the thing that really bugs me about that scene is that throughout the years of Odette and Derek's life, you like in the first scene when Derek doesn't kiss her kiss her hand, she like throws up her fists and then in the background of another scene she's like jumps off some stairs and starts punching the shit out of him. Yeah, she was a little tomboy, and then she just grew up into a Disney princess. 
it's like, and then there's a, even when she's older, like she beats him at cards, she throws tomatoes at him and she yeah. flirts and she's really good with people. And it's like, and then as soon as that scene is over, 90% of her character is sucked right out of her. Yeah. It, she's really flat. It, it, that, that's my biggest issue with this film. I, I hate to say it, but sometimes that's just how it goes with some people. Yeah. It just... I, I, I knew some kids in like when I was a kid who you know, they were like real firecrackers and now they're just boring adults. It's just now the the only other problem I have with this film is that um I okay, I do like that when Derek says that when Odette asks him, um, you know, do you like me for anything else than my beauty? And he's like, what else is there? And it's like, that's a good lesson. Don't settle for a guy who only likes you for how you look. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Okay. This movie has value for that. Yes. I just don't think it's really carried out. You know, it, it, right? it's, yeah, it starts really strong with that. And then it kind of falls flat on its message by the end. Yeah, it's kind of satisfied just having that one scene. Yeah. That addresses it. Yeah. It's the and those are like my two biggest gripes with the film. Everything like most of the other things I have no strong feelings about or I have really strong feelings about. Yeah. Um uh, I I I will say though uh in that next scene where he's talking with uh oh, Rogers with with Rogers and Brom you should and, write a book, How to Offend <laughs> Women in Five Syllables or Less. Yeah. That's um, one of my favorite lines in all of cinema. Yeah, that, that's that's a great scene, but uh, a great line, I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. But specifically the part where he's just like, of course I like other things about her, but I just, I just don't know how to say it. I relate with that so much. Yeah, it's... It, there's... It's hard to put words to things sometimes, and it doesn't mean you... Yeah, but he did not handle that situation good. No, and he, yeah, I'm I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just saying, I relate to the later expressed sentiment. Mm Hmm. It's it's a film in that particular aspect of the film is very frustrating because it's it's it it sets up something and it really kind of doesn't deliver on it all that much. Yeah. It it's now most of the time that would be pretty damning for me, and I would also probably give it a five. But I still like this movie for some reason. All right, I mean, you're allowed to have bad taste. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, no, that that was too mean. I'm sorry. No, no. I but I'd give it more of like a six point five. I'd be a little more gracious. No, oh, okay. I'm not like I'm not saying I like, oh it's it's amazing it's but it's I'd give it a little more credit than that and and I'm completely willing to admit that that's my purely nostalgia like I yeah. my I have a lot of colored nostalgia for this film clearly but okay I do have good things to say about it obviously okay, okay. um going back to the animation specifically the backgrounds are fucking beautiful in this movie they really are. Like especially the uh, all the shots of the castle are fucking gorgeous. Yeah, for there's sure. Some, 
there's some really amazing, beautiful painted backgrounds in this film. And that's, you know, I mean, to be fair, like, I mean, yeah, there were for Disney films, there were two, but I mean, come on, that's not fair. Yeah. I mean, this isn't Disney. This is what, what is this? Uh... Oh yeah. The name of the studio. Yeah, I, I can't remember for the life of me. Oh. Um, I guess it's really not that important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can look it up. I'm, I'm looking at the IMDb. It just uh, maybe it's on the box art. It, it could be on Swick. It could be on the Wikipedia article. We're gonna cut this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll I'll cut this down. Eh, whatever, who cares? It's not important. Um, uh, ballet. It, I mean, yes, I know it's based off of the ballet. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, voice tones. Blah. blah, blah. Uh. Produced, starring, production. Nest Entertainment. Nest Entertainment. Okay. Yeah, and it was distributed by New Line. The rights are currently oh, held. right, right, new line. The 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 rights are currently held by uh, Sony. Okay. Um, apparently it was actually nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah, I, I, for... I can't think of anything that really came out in '94 that really trumped it. It was nominated for Golden Globe for the song "Longer Than Forever." Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a it's a. It's a wrong. catchy song, but like, I don't know. None of honestly, I think the songs, except for uh, this, is not what I imagined. These are all they're, they're the weakest aspect of I, the movie, in my opinion. Okay, I'm gonna. I can. I can kind of get where you're coming from. However, I will fight to the death for No More Mister Nice Guy. <laughs> I love that song. Rothbart song. It's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, super no, no, jazzy. I know, it, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's I, jazzy. It's catchy. I love it. I love that song. It's my favorite song in the movie. Okay. And I have a lot of, I never forgot it. You know, like I, I would, I occasionally remember it and I say, I sing it to myself. That's how much I like that song. It's just a fun okay. villain song. Yeah. Um, I, I don't agree, but Okay. <laughs> I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna tear it down because I don't really uh, have an argument for why I didn't like it. I just it, it didn't do anything for me. But my favorite character is Rogers, actually. The because he every most of the things he says are really fucking funny. Oh yeah. No, I would like to see a movie that's just Lord Rogers. Honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's not as funny in the sequels. That's a shame. I actually, okay, I actually do like the mom. Uh, Bert. The mom's interesting. I just, they didn't do enough with her. Yeah. Uh, I like it because mainly when it comes to Disney films or Disney ass films, the mom's usually fucking dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, technically, we did have a dead mother in this one. Well, we never see Odette's mom, but yeah, we're not wrong. Um, I don't understand why, instead of pushing their kids together, they just don't get married. Yeah. Yeah, that's a strong point. Didn't even think about that. 
Hmm. Like they're they're obviously both widow and widower. Yeah, that's a very you know what that's a hmm, it's a very interesting point. Yeah. Um, but going back to the animation. Okay. Um, I actually really some of the other strongest aspects of the animation are the magic and effects on the magic. They look really nice. Yeah. The the magic effects on this were really lavishly animated and applied. I I really did like those. And certain in certain moments, certain characters have a lot of the character animation in some places is actually really excellent. Like yeah. I I actually think Rothbart is great looking. Oh yeah, and okay, the characters are all really well animated. Like I I don't think. They didn't skimp on the anime. I just felt like there were times where it looked like it looked like they were placed. Okay, I know they were just placed over the backgrounds, but it looked like they were placed over the. It didn't look like they fit into the backgrounds. Yeah, like they weren't properly blended in. I feel. I feel. Yeah. Because like it might have been a um, because the backgrounds look really great. Yeah. But I think it's it's a situation where. You know what I think it might be? What? It might be the coloring on the characters. Like, they might be a little too bright compared to some of the backgrounds. Yes, it, it's very much that, um... That, uh... Like, Looney Tunes episode where you know exactly what is gonna fall because it's painted differently. Yeah, the cell. <laughs> yeah, the cell is, yeah. Yeah, the shading is different. The, the lighting is lighting is shading but where's yeah but where's that one scene from that one anime it's like don't step on that that one's slightly different color i mean <laughs> that, that one that's the one that's gonna fall oh yeah. shit you're right you shit you're right <laughs> oh it fell if this part fell anyway this is a really complicated scene they animated here <laughs> um there also the this this movie suffers as much as I like the side characters. This movie suffers from animal buddy abundance. I I don't mind it as much when one of the main characters is transformed into an animal. Hmm. Because then the people they interact with become other animals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not like you ever see Derek talking to Jean Bob or Derek talking to Puffin. Really? Well, it, at least not in the first movie. Oh, it kind of that kind of goes away. They just you can just understand them. Don't worry about it. But I don't know. There's some fun. I like. I like the idea of Jean Paul being a frog who thinks he's a prince. That's actually yeah. a fun. That's actually a funny idea. Yeah, and Jean Cleese does a great job at it. Yeah, he does. Okay. Uh, also, this is, just mm -hmm. French frog is. It's kind of played, but it's it's yeah, it's an obvious joke. Yeah, he even makes a frog legs joke. Yeah, if you do not bring her back, I will fry your legs in patel. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, yeah, no, no, no. Like it, it had some good moments. It's just there's it's completely average. Yeah, and I I see like objectively speaking. I see it, but this is again. It's it, this no. is purely my own nostalgia. I, I completely get this. We'll get into this again later. But from my perspective, 
when we watch something like Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys or mm-hmm. uh, Extreme Ghostbusters or I, I don't know what else, but yeah. Um, to go back to the the songs, we we talked about this in Cats Don't Dance for like an animated musical. The song should serve just musicals in general. The song yeah. should serve a purpose. A lot of the songs in this kind of don't. Yeah. I Again, I'm not really sure I agree with that philosophy necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do see what you're saying, both on that philosophy and its application to this movie. Um, yeah. I'm generally of the mind that as long as the song is good, it's okay that it's there. Yeah, that's a fair point. It's just these. It, it's just I'm tired of this. Is going to be the more I watch movies, the more, especially during this era when people are trying to be Disney, the more it's going to be like you just put musicals here because Disney was doing it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, there was no purpose to this being a musical. There was no purpose to the song. You just needed to meet the quota. Yeah. There, there's no good reason why an American Tale has songs in it. No. Like it doesn't need it. No. The Land Before Time had a song too, didn't it? Yeah, it didn't. Need but it. it it wasn't sung by any character. It was just oh, there. Okay. It, it was more like the Phil Collins and Tarzan. Yeah, and it was only one. Okay, that that that's different though. But yeah, yeah. Um, the this I really like Mister No More Mister Nice Guy, but the No More Mister Nice Guy kind of like. Does a thing? It, it kind of is another. This this is a plot problem. I think is that things just kind of. How do I put this? Like suddenly, the the thing about Odette's curses is so he does the love thing to somebody else that she dies, and that's just now suddenly a plot point for no reason. Yeah, it doesn't. And then it's like, wait, you want her to die? I thought you wanted a kingdom. But now you want her to die? I don't his, get it. His dream is unclear. Like I, like, I, okay. I've heard both sides of the argument. Both one side of the, I've heard from people who like hate this movie, who are like, "That makes no sense. Why is it suddenly this? Why is he suddenly doing the thing that he didn't want to do? That he wanted to kill Odette? And then, but I think what it's it. I just don't think it make it clear enough. What I think it's trying to do is no more Mr. Nice Guy is the song, the transition song of him being like, you know what? I'm tired of trying to do this legit. I'm just going to kill them and take it for myself. I don't care anymore. Fuck it. Okay. Like he just, because at the beginning of was like, why don't you just take it? You have the power. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. I want to do this legit. Yeah. And then he was, and then the song is like, you know what? Nah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired of playing nice. You steal something. You got to fight to keep it is actually probably one of the greatest villain motivations I've ever heard. Yeah, you, I gotta you, say, you take something, and then you'll fight your entire life to try and keep it. Yeah, I don't know why I like Rothbard so much. Rothbard is—you've—you've uh, you've turned me around on Rothbard. I still don't really like No More Mister Nice Guy. I still don't really like this movie, but Rothbard—I—I I, I do think there was something good about—not good, but like you know what I mean. There was something there. Interesting. Something interesting about Rothbart. 
Yeah, and it, it might just be his character animation. Like, I don't know. And his... I actually really like his performance. The yeah, voice Jack Palance did good. It's a it's a really good performance. I don't know why I like it so much. Um, it's not my favorite interpretation of Rothbart from the the play in terms of visuals, though. Yeah, um, mainly because I like when Rothbart is um in the in the in the in Swan Lake. He's often portrayed as like owl or crow like, and I would have liked to have them do something with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, like a cloak that was made of feathers, or maybe he, instead of turning to a bat he, monster, he turned to like a giant bird monster or something. I don't know. And also his whole thing with Derek, when he finally turns into the monster and he fights him, is pretty flaccid, honestly. Yeah. it. Mm, the... The... Sleeping Beauty, this is not. Oh, No. Not at all. Where it's like, oh, Maleficent turns into the cool monster, and that's the best thing in the whole movie. Yeah, it. I'm. I'm kind of wrung dry on this. I I don't have anything more to. Yeah, no, no, that's fair. I just there are uh, two, there are some two pieces of trivia I do have about this film. Okay, let's hear it. Um, number one was that this film was the reason that there's so many sequels. There's a reason because this film was a box office bomb. Of course. But it saw a huge amount of success when it was released on VHS. The home video market, yep. It was a big success on the home video market, which is why it got all those sequels. That home video market in the 90s was really good to animation. Really was. But there was a... It wasn't the fact that this film was just okay that it did bad at the box office. There is... Another reason why this film did bad at the box office. What was it competing against? So, this feels like a direct attack, I feel. Disney decided to re-release one of their films that year. It's a little film called, oh, you might not have heard of it, The Lion King. The Lion King? Was... They did a re-release of well, Lion King in theaters the same year this film came out. Hold on. But, no, that... The Lion King was released in 94. Struggling competition movies released... It had a... Okay, no, no, hold on. Mm Mm-hmm. Lion King had a limited release June 15th, 1994, and then a wide release June 24th, 1994. Ah, the wide re- so they they timed the wide release for this film to come out. Yeah. Which feels a little... Vindictive? Yeah. <laughs> a Disney reusing, quote, Disney reusing the, uh, the Lion King just as this film was released was seen as, quote, sabotage by Variety magazine. Yeah, I that re- yeah that that stacks up. Yep, but um, I know you're running dry, so I'm just gonna say, with all my complaints, I still, again, I still like this film for some reason. Okay, but that's pretty much all I have. That's pretty much it. I don't have anything else to say. I I I 
I don't think I shit on it. I, no, I just you, you you didn't. Yeah, I, I just yeah, just didn't do anything for me. Yeah, that's fair. It I it, I'm it's a it's again it's a, a film that I have a sauce but for purely based off of my nostalgia and renting it from the the video store a lot probably. Yeah, I mean that's probably you know that that's probably why I have affection for like Rockadoodle because I don't know if Rockadoodle is actually any good. It's not, but I also kind of have a weird affection for it. You you also probably rented it a bunch as a kid, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, so there's, it, yeah. I understand why you like this, because that's how I... The way you feel is how I feel about Rockadoodle, so I completely get it. Mm-hmm. I am looking forward to eventually talking about... Because we haven't talked about any Don Bluth films yet. I, wanna, I do want to talk about Don Bluth films soon. Or at least one. Yeah, we... we We've mentioned Don Bluth in passing, but we haven't covered any of his stuff yet. Yeah, we and there's a lot of films to talk about. Um, maybe we'll consider it for next time. I don't know. Uh, but we'll discuss I'm that. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I, I, I mm-hmm. actually want to discuss this on air real quick. Okay, sure. Uh, we we after we recorded the last episode, we had our usual discussion about what to do next. And we mentioned uh, a pairing of Titan AE and uh, Outlaw Star. Yeah. I think that that, that could be interesting. It could be interesting, yeah. It it gives us it gives us a a low starting base for Don Bluth. Yeah, it's not his With, lowest point. It's not his lowest point, but it's probably his biggest flop. His lowest point is a troll in Central Park. <laughs> That's the one with the weird transformation sequence, right? Uh, hate to spoil it for you, buddy, but there's a lot of weird transformation sequences. Okay, on the, one that, the one where the, the lady, lady t- turns into a dragon? Yeah. That no, that, um, everyone that, was, uh, that's what? Bartok the Magnificent. That's Bart- Right, we had this conversation before. I can fault. I can't what believe if, Bartok the Magnificent is better than Troll in Such a Park. <laughs> what if we did both of those together? <laughs> you have to. Okay. Here's the thing. You have to do the first Anastasia before we do Bartok. Okay. Okay. That's my. Then that's we'll my do... caveat. Okay. Then. I won't do Bartok the Magnificent until we do the first Anastasia. Okay. Then Anastasia and. Uh, Princess and the Frog, and then Bartok the Magnificent and Troll in Central Park. Yeah. Also kind of a soft spot for Pebble and the Penguin, weirdly. Never seen it once in my entire life. Never. Maybe we could do that in Rockadoodle. Yeah, that would be a good pairing. Yeah. Uh, I th- I'm not saying we were going to do them all bam, 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 right together. But... Oh, yeah, no, no. We're, this is just a little... Uh, Inside baseball. Peeling the curtain back as we tend to do. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so anyway. that's Swan Princess. We're going to take one more short break. And when we... Re- oh, there's a burp. Uh, and when we return... Uh, we're going we're gonna to visit uh, 1970s New York and 1970s, I'm guessing, Louisiana, based on the characters that we see in this later half of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
in the rescuers. Yeah, sorry, I, I should have just said the rescuers rather than try to be clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll be back. No more Mr. Nice Guy. That's not me. Now back to our show. Welcome back, everybody, to our next segment. Uh, we're talking about The Rescuers, 1977. Bob Newhart, Eva Gabor, Geraldine Page, Joe Flynn, Jeanette Nolan, Pat Buttram, Jim Jordan, John McIntyre, Michelle Stacy, Bernard Fox, and so on and so forth. Basically, a lot of people that who are our age probably don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Um, unless you're into, like, Golden Age of Hollywood, like I am. Yeah, uh, unless you, I mean, yeah, I know, I know Bob Newhart and Ava Gavor. I know who they are. Yeah, but, but not lot, all people are us. Yeah, I, I'm sure a lot of people our age maybe caught re, uh, re, uh, what's the reruns of the Bob Newhart show or Newhart, which the one where he owned a, uh, he owned an inn and had like to deal with wacky. Small town people. Yeah. Because I saw that a couple times. Yeah, I never did. I. What was fucking. There was a show that Abo Gavor was in a lot. Uh, what, what was the thing uh, she was. Let's she see. She was a socialite, but I can't remember the, the thing that she's kind of most famous for. She was on Green Acres? Green Acres. That was it. Yeah. It was Green Acres. Um. Or actually, originally, funny thing, uh, Miss Bianca wasn't Hungarian until they cast Epic of War. That makes sense. And then they made her the Hungarian representative in the film. Yeah. So she was also Duchess on the Aristocrats. Aristocrats, I mean. That's a that's a good casting. Yeah. She was on the Beverly Hill Hillbillies. Ah. Beverly Hillbillies. Ah, makes sense. Or she was on one episode of it. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Eva Gabor. Uh, the only other name on this other than Bob Newhart and Eva Gabor that I know is uh, Pat Buttram. He's just a famous old cowboy actor. Mm-hmm. The, uh... I don't even know where to start with this film. It's, um... Well, then I'll start. The Rescuers, on a personal level, is a movie I rented a lot as a kid, as well as its sequel uh, that was came quite a lot after uh, Rescuers Down Under. And to, to be and let's be real, is a lot better than this movie. Oh yeah, uh, Rescuers Down Under is is a lot better, but I don't know. There's just something about '70s Disney that I really like. 
something about like the animation style, the coloring, the film grain or whatever. Yeah, I know what you mean. It has a certain charm. Yeah, like I, re- I really like the rescuers. I really like uh, uh, Black Cauldron, Sword in the Stone, Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Th- th- those are like some of my favorite Disney movies. Um, this was this film was released in sort of like a transitionary period during Disney. It's kind of yeah, and kind of interesting in that way. Yeah, it it. And it wasn't actually distributed by Disney. It was uh, Buena Vista. Yeah. Uh, which everyone knows is owned by Disney. And I think just became Disney after a while. But as you know. As you do. But uh, the I think the main sort of thing from this that's a. Uh, sort of how, how it pertains to the transitionary period is this would be one of the last projects that uh, some of the famed nine old men of Disney actually worked on. Yeah. Uh, it would also be the first big budget project that, that some of the new animators would work on. Such I saw as Glenn Keane. Glenn Keane and Don Bluth. Yeah. Both. This was their first big... Because the, back in that time... Disney source separated their A and B teams. Like they would have the big budget stuff worked on by the the senior animators, like the nine old men and others. And then they'd have sort of smaller projects worked on by the newer animators. And this was the first big thing that the, uh, the newer guys kind of got to work on. Okay. Let's just take a second real quick. And uh, for people who don't know, uh, explain the phrase nine old men. Okay. The nine old men were, (sighs) How do I how do I explain the nine old men? So I, I mean, from context clues, obviously they're the nine people that Disney Animation Studios relied on the most. Yeah, they're the, they were the boys' club essentially. But they were the the ones. Yeah, yeah. but I'm getting, some, I'm getting some popping from you, hmm. like like bro body popping from you. I don't oh. know. If, I don't know if it's on my. I think it just might be on my end. Well, I'll find out when I'm editing. Popping in like the little like crackly static is actually kind of easy to get rid of. Yeah. But yeah, it's not know, that bad. But... It's not that bad. You're not full robot. You're just like it's like I'm getting some like occasionally. I'm, I'm getting the same from you too. So. No. Yeah. Um. Hmm. We'll if just you... power through it. Okay, we can power through it. Are you sure? Because we can. What I usually do is when I, on the on when I did the Fate podcast was like I would just like, all right, let's just restart the recording, and I would splice the second part of the audio onto the. Yeah. Other. Um. We'll just see how this goes. Okay. You're yeah. the one editing. You're the boss, yeah. chief. <laughs> but anyway, uh, um, yeah. Disney's adult men were like the who they were core animators and some of them would later become like directors and created some of Disney's most famous films like the Snow White uh yeah and and stuff like that the the, the nine old men are um Milt Call, Mark Davis, Frank Thomas, Eric Larson, Ollie Johnson, Wooly Rutherman, Les Clark, Ward Kimball and John Lonsberry. Uh they're all they're basically all acknowledges like the first generation of 
the core animators of Disney during that era and sort of like this era of Disney, Robin Hood, Fox and the Hound, the Rescuers, and just basically the transitioning period after Walt Disney's death is them slowly passing the torch to the new animators like Glenn Keane and Don Bluth and others. Yeah. And the and Glenn Keane and Don Bluth and others would eventually, when they took up fully took up the mantle, they would eventually lead to the uh, what is Renaissance. It, the, the Renaissance. Yeah. With uh, starting with um. Little Mermaid. Oh, Little, no, Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Yeah. It was Little Mermaid was the first film of the Renaissance. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, and and I find Little Mermaid interesting. Uh, just in in the context of this conversation, uh, mm-hmm. because you can still sort of see the old look in Little Mermaid. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Mostly in like the coloring in the backgrounds. Yeah, the so fun fact, um there is a reason for why um Disney films of this era had that quote unquote sketchy look. Mm-hmm. Um they were using a new process. It was called uh xerography. And xerography was um different from the sort of like completely hand drawn style. And that sort of led to the um the sketchy look. Mm-hmm. And Rescuers was actually it wasn't the first to use xerography because that was like Robin Hood and stuff like that, but yeah. Rescuers was the first to use sort of a slightly different modified version of xerography, which is called colored xerography. I see. Which which incorporated um essentially the xerography they would have like a, a um a base tone and then the other colors would be put over that base tone so sort of like the whole film would have a base color that pervaded the entirety of this of the the cells and um the base color for rescuers was purple yeah definitely uh which i found really interesting but anyway no no no, i i did i just it yeah i I just thought there was more i just wanted you know there's there's not much more to it than that it's just okay Okay. Interesting little fun fact. Definitely, that, I definitely I didn't know that. Yeah, the but uh, um the film itself. I do have more trivia, but I do want to at least start talking about the actual. Movie. Yeah, well, okay. Let, let's start at the start. I loved those like oil canvases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they had at the beginning over the credits. Oh, I, those were beautiful. I love the those. song. Tomorrow is another day. Yeah. Yeah. I I think if I were to describe this film in one word, it would be charming. Yeah. It's a that's, charming film. That's a perfect descriptor for it. I've, I actually really love Bianca and Bernard. They are an excellent pair. Who, who knew Bob Newhart and Eva Gabor would have chemistry? They... They're really great together as like a pair, and I, I kind of am sad that Rescuers Down Under was the only other film, because yeah. I would have loved for these characters to like have other things, these specific iterations of the character, because I like them and I like their, their dynamic. Yeah, well, you know, there probably would have been, uh, because. I, I hinted at this before, but Rescue Rangers was originally supposed to be a rescuers show. Yeah, originally. Which yeah. You, when you look 
as soon as we say that and you think about rescue rangers and you'd go that makes sense yeah it 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 it's logical i think they just decided I, I think the story is they decided that rescuers itself just wasn't marketable enough yeah yeah and so they decided to use chip and dale because they're they're mascot characters yeah they're they're recognizable disney characters. yeah yeah and in the 80s what the fuck was bob newhart and uh eva gabor doing <laughs> you know what that's a fair point actually um newhart had his show in the 80s <laughs> uh so i i actually i really like their dynamic i actually really like that there's a lot of like you i don't know when when in most animated films or films in general the quote-unquote romance or pseudo romances are oftentimes very very forced oh yeah but the two of them genuinely have good chemistry yeah, they, they have good chemistry and they just sort of set it up right at the beginning that it's clear she has a soft spot for him and he has a soft spot for her. It's mutual. It's completely mutual. Yeah, it, it's not. No one's trying to convince the other. It's just they naturally sort of come yeah. together. It, it's really nice and it's my yeah. favorite way to watch romance on screen. Yeah, but not to spoil rescuers down under, but. Which was which kind of makes the whole thing in Rescue Down Under where he wants to propose to her. Yeah, and, and she no 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 no. I like it mainly because Bernard is the only one who is like really nervous about it, and Bianca is ecstatic. And yeah, that's, that's in, in line with both of their characters. Yeah, because Bernard is super. He's very superstitious. He's nervous he, as all hell. He's nervous all the time. And he thinks that Bianca is too good for him. And I'm like, you know what? I get that. Relatable. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> but Bianca's like, oh, you silly Billy. Yeah. Why didn't you just say so earlier? You yeah. know, it's like that's completely in line with their characters, I think. It, it Yeah. It, oh, God. But I don't want to get too much into that until we talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to Down, Down Under I, eventually. I we'll really do, like do want to. I want to do Down Under a lot. Actually, I like that movie. We'll do an Australia episode, and that'll be is one there, of them. Is there any other Australia things we could do down under with? There, there's definitely something with kangaroos. Kangaroo Jack, the animated film. No, I'll I'll figure something else out. Don't I was, you worry. I was joking, but okay, good, good. <laughs> I wouldn't force you to do that. Yeah. I saw the original Kangaroo Jack. I never bothered to see the animated film, though. You don't need to. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> uh, anyway, Rescuers. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I love the concept of animal societies. Yeah, yeah. Little underneath little human hidden society. animals. Yeah. It, it's, it's a concept I've always really enjoyed. Can I get a crossover with this and... The Great Mouse Detective. I mean, it makes so much sense. It I don't. Just, think... it, it writes itself. Yeah. The and uh, oh, that I think it was. I think it was uh, an MGM theatrical cartoon from back in the day. Remember, there was the, uh, the fat mouse who liked to play the piano really, not the piano, liked to play the violin really bad. 
with the mm. uh the, the tired wife and the dumb best friend that he kind of hated not ringing a bell not ringing a bell okay it's definitely based on something else mm-hmm. anyway it, it it's another sort of thing. It, it, whatever doesn't no matter. i would i would i would kill for that crossover yeah rescuers and great mouse detective just makes sense and rescue rangers fuck just bring it all together bring all three of them together and have them all team up to beat some villain i don't know who cares yeah even Gabor is definitely passed on by now and i have no idea if bob newhart's still with us i don't think either of them are uh you mm. but there's only one way to find out but his IMDb page does not list him being dead. Oh, well, Bob Newhart's still alive, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to actually Google him, though, because that's usually more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's 90. Damn, son. Yeah, born 1929. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think Eva Gabor has passed. Yeah, it, Eva Gabor has absolutely 100% passed. You know what I just remembered about the second movie? What? Was it Orville's brother in the second movie was voiced by John Candy? Yes. I just remembered that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Eva um, Gabor passed on in 95. Ah. Yeah. Um. Anyway. I, I, small animal societies. Yeah. It, it's a concept I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. I do like that their founder was the whole like I'm the guy who pulled the thorn out of the lion's Yo, paw. That even as a kid, I loved that. I, I it's a, yeah. I'd completely forgotten about it, but the minute I saw, I was like, oh yeah. Hmm. <sighs> sorry. Go on. No, no. It's it's just a cool idea, and I like. Yeah. There's something about, I don't know how to put it. There's something about the performances of voice actors from this time that's very different from how they are now. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, it's just a different energy. Well, because they were all in the same room together back in the day. Yeah, you know what? That's true. I didn't. I now didn't people were sending it in from home. So yeah, it's a different energy, which is probably you know what that might explain why that might explain why we're freaking uh bianca and um bernard have such great chemistries because bob newhart and Ava Gavor probably had good chemistry not romantically yeah. but you know but professional chemistry yeah yeah they they, they were like oh we were, we really hit it off yeah we, can, we do we're doing this you know um i i think um and again i'm citing uh rob paulson's podcast but he said uh like when he first started out for most of his career uh up until like the 2000s they were always all in the same room together they all had each other to feed off of it it was really only until like the mid 2000s the mid aughts that people started recording separately or recording from home and then emailing in the recordings yeah uh, and I think it makes all the difference in the quality of the performance. Mm-hmm. But the um, 
I actually really like speaking. We talked about backgrounds on Swamp Princess. This, especially in the swamp and the cityscapes, the backgrounds are fucking beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I love, I love Madame Medusa's houseboat. Like it's yeah, that the the mood is really great. I okay. In video games, I fucking hate swamp settings, but in movies, I love them. Can you, and please, I th- you say that again? I'm sorry, I cut out there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in video games, I hate swamp levels, but in movies and at cartoons and stuff like that, I fucking love swamp levels or mm-hmm. swamp settings, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. and the whole what, uh, the um. The Deadly Bayou, what, what was it called? Cursed Bayou? Oh, cur- yeah, like a Cursed Bayou. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Cursed Bayou. That whole setting was beautiful in how grimy and grungy it was. The Devil's Bayou, that's what Devil's it was. Devil's Bayou, yeah. That, yeah, Yeah, Devil's Bayou. Um, the... Uh... I also love that, like, we just suddenly have this large cast of side characters show up at the very end for, out of completely yeah, nowhere. They could have done a better job introducing them. Also, it reminded me of something that I remember seeing all the time in cartoons when I was a kid, but the old man wearing the Confederate cap. Yeah. that That's just a trope we don't see anymore, thankfully. Yeah, the, the turtle. Yeah. Yeah. That's, just, uh, I mean, he is. In, they are in Louisiana. Yeah, so. they're in Louisiana. But the concept that that turtle fought in the Confederate Army is weird to me. I mean, is about as weird as a mice United Nations. I'm willing to accept the existence of secret animal societies, but that that secret animal society would have had a civil war. <laughs> akin to the American Civil War or that that turtle fought in the American Civil War I find it hard to buy into fair enough I mean he would have been alive to be fair yeah um, I, I just find it why would a turtle care about Civil War slavery or quote, I mean judging by that hat we know how he felt right. about slavery <laughs> yeah Judging by uh, the hat. Judging by the hat, we know, but why? Like it, it's just I know. They they were just going off a trope. In the 70s, there were still probably old men in the South who wore those caps because they survived the Civil War or their daddies or granddaddies did. But it's like how people still fly Confederate flags in the South. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need to remind me of that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. I did. I did appreciate that the dragonfly, his name was Evan Rude. Yeah. I don't know. For those who don't know, Evan Rude is a type of motorboat. <laughs> oh. It's a okay. brand. It's a brand of motorboat. I Evan didn't Rude know motors. that. That, okay. That's a fun I, fact for the day. I always just thought it was a Cajun thing. No, it's a. It's just the name of a. It's a motorboat thing. Okay. It's a motorboat thing. It's the name of a, a type of motor engine, I think, for boats. Interesting. And Evan Evan Rude Motor, yeah. And he's literally the motor for the Leaf Boat. That that makes so much sense. Yeah, which is why, yeah, it's a it's yeah. a clever name. 
Yeah, it'd be like a goat named John Deere. Yeah. So, <laughs> some more trivia for you. Okay. The the movie is is based on a book, a series of books. I did not know that. By uh, Marguerite Sharp. Uh, okay. Called the original was called The Rescuers, and there were several sequels. Um, the film itself isn't based on; it's a combination of two of the books, which is the original Rescuers and uh, Miss Bianca, uh, because the essentially this this film had would had been shelved for a long time, and the original pitch was just to completely adapt the original novel. Yeah, but the original novel was about the mice helping free a prisoner of war. And Disney thought that was Walt Disney himself thought that was a little too political. Yeah. And he decided to shelve it, and then they eventually brought it back, and instead brought in the idea of the the uh, the little girl from, you know, from Miss Bianca. Do you know what war? No, it probably was like World War One, considering the time frame of that book, or World oh. War Two. Okay. The book came out in '55, so it was like well, World War One or World War Two, most likely. Uh, could have well, could have been Korea. Could have been Korean War. Yeah, because Korea been one of was going on at that time, I believe. Yeah, or it could have been one of them. It, yeah. it was fifty. It was fifty-five, so it could have been any one of those. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, and the um, the villain, Madame Medusa, is actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. Because originally, in early production, the villain of the film was actually supposed to be Corolla Deville. Oh, like they were they were going to bring her back for this movie, but they thought that was a little weird to have this villain show up again. And you can, yeah. you would, and then you look at Madame Medusa, and you're like, yeah, that's just Corolla Deville, isn't it? Yeah, it it's like a trashy white trash version of Corolla Deville. Yeah, and she's. She, she, they modified the Corolla Ville idea and they partially based her for paced her on the villain from uh, Mrs. Bianca called the oh. Diamond Duchess. And originally, oh. the Diamond Duchess also had two bloodhounds named Terror and Nightmare, I think. Mm, and, but they became and, Brutus and Nero, and, and they became alligators instead of hound dogs. Yeah, um. Interesting. Also, the this is this is a, a little just a side note, but um, the character animator for Madame Medusa actually based her uh, her design off of um. This is very uh of the time, but based her off of his, off his ex wife. <laughs> I'm like, that's yeah, that's, not, uh, uh, that sounds of the time. Yeah, that's 1977 for you. <laughs> yeah. Um. The other last bit of trivia I have is um, is that, again, early on in production, this movie changed a lot. Mm-hmm. And originally, it was actually going to be based on, uh, be in the setting of another book, which was actually set in the Antarctic. But they thought that that was a little too bland and bleak, so they changed it to the setting of one of the other books, which was in Louisiana. They yeah, thought right. it would be, be more interesting. And yeah. the last bit of early production stuff that kind of went out the window was there were going to be... um sung musical numbers like characters were going to sing songs oh that no but they completely changed that idea and so we got more of an insert song style thing with this movie as opposed to like the sing the more classical style of like snow white or whatever where yeah. the character, where it's like an animated musical 
Yeah, I, I think I think not making it a musical was the smart choice. Yeah. But um I This is an overall thing. I I think we talked about we talked about this earlier, but off record, but I have I had middling feelings about this film, but going back to I'm like, oh, this is better than I remember. Yeah. This is a pretty yeah, this is a fun this is a fun movie. Yeah. Um and I I loved this when I was a kid. Uh, I mentioned that at the start of this, loved this when I was a kid. And on this watching, maybe it was because I just watched The Swan Princess the day before, but I was way happier after this ended than I was <laughs> watching Swan Princess. Um, but I still sort of like realized as I was watching it, it's not as good as I remember, but I still mm-hmm. really like it. And I think some of that's just the nostalgia from when I was a kid. But I also think it's gener- genuinely a good movie. Yeah, it's a it's it's just a it's not anything stellar, but it's a it's just a good movie. Like, yeah, if I was set, if Swan Princess was a five for me and a six point five for you, I think I'd put this at like a seven point five. Yeah, I'd give it a solid seven. Yeah, it's a solid seven. Yeah, for doing arbitrary number ratings. Yeah, I mean, I, I just—it's it, a point yeah, of reference. It's a point of reference. Yeah, no, it's just—I get why the, those ratings exist. It's just they are at the end of the day are completely arbitrary. Yeah. Also, but, kind but of they are—they're a nice benchmark. Yeah, it—it's it, just a—it's shorthand for saying whether you liked something, didn't like it, or thought it was average. Yeah, or ambivalent about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also liked Penny more than I thought I remembered. I remember being really annoying when I watched it the first time. I'm like, no, she's a perfect she's actually great. Yeah. Penny she's, a, she's, she's got a, spunk. She's got spunk. She doesn't put up with anybody's shit, not even the fucking alligators. No. She ain't well, afraid of nobody. Ain't afraid of nobody know how. <laughs> but yeah. Um she was also in uh, the the lady who voiced her was also in uh, the Fox and the Hound. Oh, uh, where she voiced Widow Tweed. Oh, neat. The uh, um. Oh, she was in MacGyver. <laughs> wild, <laughs> for one episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. The only negative I have to say about this film, if I have anything negative to say, is that it, it does have a slight pacing issue. Yeah, the, the pacing is kind of weird. Like, the first act where it's about focusing on Bernard and Bianca and them investigating the Penny is really, really good. Yeah. Like, that's the best. It's really good. And then there's, like, this weird, like, dip where it takes a really long time for us to get to the actual part where they do the rescuing of Penny. Yeah, I, I really feel like the whole sequence of uh, them ending up in the zoo was completely unnecessary. Yeah, it was, it was complete filler. It yeah. you could have you could have had like it was clearly this you know more established Bianca and Bernard you know their chemistry. Yeah, you could have done that with another scene that was actually in the swamp, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Like it did. Also, you could have at that point introduced the rest of the swamp cast. 
yeah totally it it I would have liked more with them too, just it's Bianca and Bernard interacting, mainly because it would just like more being Bernard and Bianca interacting yeah. and just doing things. Yeah, and, and um, I mean the setting up Medusa and her whole whole thing is important. It's just like the 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 part in between them figuring out where Penny is and then setting up that important plot point and actually getting to that point feels there's there's a dip. Yeah, there, there's a definite dip. I This isn't exactly what you're saying, but it it's my take on the pacing issues. Um, mm-hmm. From when they leave the UN, the part where they're in the UN felt really quick. Yeah. And then after leaving the UN, up until when uh, Orville lands... That felt like an hour. Yeah. Like it wasn't, an, it just felt so long. It felt like it dragged. The whole zoo scene, the whole airport scene, it just dragged. I liked the I liked the airport scene. The zoo scene was cute because it did, again, Bianca and yeah. Bernard doing that. But it's like, you could have done, the airport scene is fine. It's, it's that zoo scene is, is, you could have done that with them being actually there. Yeah, and them actually investigating and doing stuff is actually interesting, and probably one of the better parts of the film. The I think the best part of the film is the scene where they're actually inside of the cave trying to get the gem because yeah. it's genuinely tense. Yeah that that was that was really tense. You, you said it. <laughs> sorry. No, it it's fine. Um, I just don't know how else to word it. Yeah, it it was. Um, I remember when I was a kid, it had me on the edge of my seat. There's a genuine sense of peril. Yeah, urgency and peril. Yeah, which is honestly really hard to. It's more. It's harder to pull off than you think. Oh yeah, because it's. Mm. Speaking from like a purely meta perspective, yeah, you, you as the audience know the heroes are going to win. They're going to get out. Yeah. You know? So it's like when you know that, especially in a film like this, like a kid's film, where that's, all, like, that's a 100%, not, an almost 100% guarantee, it's really hard to build genuine tension. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't really have anything else to say on it. Yeah, I don't either. Um, okay. um, I think that's our. That's it. I like yeah. it more than I, I like it more than I remember, and glad I watched it again. It makes me really actually want to go watch Down Under a lot. Well, maybe we'll do that in a month or two. Yeah, maybe. Uh, or you can just watch it for yourself. Yeah, um, I might watch. I just might watch it for me. Yeah. Um. Whatever the case is, uh, that's it for Rescuers. And we're going to take one more short break. And when we get back, we're going to close this all up. Uh, see you then. You must try to be brave.
now back to Acme Podcasts Incorporated. On Acme Podcasts Incorporated. And welcome back one last time this episode to Acme Podcast Incorporated. There we go. Finally fucking got it. And I'm leaving that in. Uh, <laughs> uh, th- that's our episode. Uh, we It's a short one this week. Mostly because of the nature of... We watched two movies which are in nature shorter than shows. And also... Mm-hmm. I found I just didn't have that much to say about them. Mm-hmm. I had something to say, but I just didn't have that much. I mean, I think shorter episodes are fine sometimes. Yeah, no, no, no. We're I see it as us tightening up the format because I think more than anything, we've really managed to cut down the week portion, mm-hmm. which is the part that drags to me. Yeah, it's it's because we're not trying to force having something to talk about during the week. Yeah. And if there is something to say, then we'll say it. And if there's not, then we just move on. Yeah. Uh, But yeah. So uh, that again, that's it. Uh, If you got any questions, concerns, suggestions, uh, requests, confessions, confessions. Sure. I'll take a confession. Uh, Just don't call me father. Uh, You can find us uh, via the email at uh acme podcasts incorporated nope sorry acme podcasts inc at gmail.com that's what acme podcasts inc at gmail.com that's acme podcasts inc at gmail.com uh that's inc just for the record not in oh that would have been a good pun for our name too late now yeah it's too fucking late we fucked up or i fucked up Oh, no. well. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You can email us there. You can also hit us on Twitter at, uh, at Podcasts Inc. Uh, yep. we, we post about episodes coming out then there. And we also reblog some animation stuff. Not reblog, retweet. Yeah. I, I haven't been on Tumblr in quite a while, but reblog is just so ingrained so, yeah. in my psyche. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Speaking of Tumblr, we also have one of those. Yes, we do. And uh, y- you, you basically run both our Twitter and our Tumblr. Yeah, uh, you, that's over. That's acmepodcast.tumblr.com. Yep, that's acmepodcast.tumblr.com. Yep, and uh, the ask box is open. Ask box is open, and Kai can answer questions. And if it's a question directed at me, he can. Yeah. Send me it, and I'll. Answer can, it to the best of my ability. Yeah, hopefully we'll have a Q&A section eventually. Yeah, we need some cues to A, though. Yeah, well, yeah. we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Uh, as for getting in contact with us individually, we got Twitters. He's got a Tumblr. Yep. Uh, my Twitter is at J-I-B-B-L-Y, J-I-B-B-L-Y. That's at Ghibli Ghibli. And uh, where are you at on the twits of the tumbles? Yeah, you can find me over on Twitter at uh, Kaiju underscore Emperor, at Kaiju underscore Emperor. And you can find me on Tumblr 
at at uh, Kaiju Dash Emperor. Kaiju Dash Emperor on Tumblr. Alrighty. Uh that that's the episode. That's the plugs. That's, that, that's us people. Yeah. Uh that's life. Uh <laughs> and that's some water. <laughs> when your moon hits yeah, I like a big pizza, pizza pie. pie. That's some when you feel all famished, you wanna drink like a fish. That's amore. No, no, no. I, I switched it up on you there. And with that, uh, I think that's, that's a, a good. Oh, uh, actually, I want to explain my joke there to you uh-huh. specifically, uh, and I guess to the audience because I don't know how many other Jewish people are listening. Uh, moror is the Hebrew word for uh, horseradish. Ah, and it's uh, part of the Passover uh, seder plate. Like you make oh. a little sandwich with horseradish on it. Oh, um, and when I was a kid, there was a, a a Jewish parody band that I used to listen to. Like, think Weird Al, but not funny, and it's all Jewish stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little funny, but not really that funny um called schlock rock uh, and they they did uh that's a more but they did that's a moror so when uh, you feel all finished, you want to drink like a fish that's a moror that's really funny yeah uh shouldn't make jokes that i have to explain but i don't know i i like learning things yeah, everyone everyone gets to learn something there at the end uh so yeah uh you know I'm changing up my sign off because uh, I, I realized I just stole some stole the sign off from a uh, action figure reviewer. Don't want to step on his toes because he sells T-shirts with that shit on it. So, uh, you know, be a decent human being. Mm-hmm. That That's my new sign off. Be a fucking decent human being. Don't be a piece of shit. Be a decent human being. 20 K 20. Yeah. Hashtag. All right. Oh, yeah, that's it. We're out. Peace. Bye.